0: I've never been a big aficionado of movies, but I know enough about the business end of it to know that Chicago is a popular place uh, for Hollywood films to be produced. It has something to do with the sorts of tax breaks and, and things that are available here, incentives that the city makes possible, also because we have a, a beautiful city. And uh, even in Bridgeport, we get movies made. And about 10 years ago, uh, there was a film being made down on Morgan Street, just south of here, and a friend of ours showed up at the front door and said, hey, if you want to see Keanu Reeves, go down to Morgan Street in 3030s, right there. And a few years before that, we had Tom Hanks uh, over at uh, St. Mary Perpetual Help, and uh, he was filming Road to Perdition at the time. I didn't go to see either one of them. Uh, I'm sure they have plenty of other people who want to see them. Uh, but I, I don't have anything against them. But it just makes me wonder what motivates individuals to leave the comfort of home and go out and, and get a peek at a superstar. You know, what, what drives us to go out to see something? What stirs in, inside of us when we hear that someone or something important is passing nearby? You know, so what would you go out to see? Think about it for a moment. What counts as important enough for you to do this? I wonder how would my life have been impacted by catching a glimpse of Keanu Reeves in the flesh, um, or just meeting someone famous in general. I haven't met that many famous people in my life, I don't think. Certainly, in order to have the energy to to leave home and go see what's out there, I have to have a belief of some kind that it's going to make my life better, that this will profit me, benefit me in some way. And perhaps... um, this desire to go out to meet someone will be more tempting to me, will, there will be a greater incentive when I sense that I'm, I'm needy in some way, that I, I need this benefit, I need this shot in the arm, whatever it is. I'm in some way dissatisfied with my life. Now, if, if I'm constantly going out, this is very common today, constantly going out after every possible famous person at event that's going on, I'm constantly leaving home to do these things, it might be a sign of a great dissatisfaction of just being myself, Uh, though I may be prevented from realizing this by the whirl of activity and spectacle that I'm subjecting myself to. On the other hand, uh, the good side of this yearning is that it can be a sign of hope, in other words, if, if I'm really depressed or if I'm suffering a lot and I can't get out or I can't get the energy to go and try to make my life better, this is a much more serious problem. So this desire to go out and see something can be an acknowledgment of my own dissatisfaction and my desire to address it in some way, to see if, if life can't be better somehow, right? As I say often enough, uh, I, I think we saw this in the, the campaign trail this year, uh, Not only going out and seeing Keanu Reeves, but lots of crowds went out to see Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. uh, Surprisingly large amounts of people. And clearly they're motivated by some kind of sense of dissatisfaction about things. A sense of trying to address, but also a sense that there might be hope. There's actually a possibility if I uh, gather together with these people that we might be able to change something that will make things better for us. And as I say, often enough, when we suffer, when life isn't going well, it's easy to become cynical and, and say, well, nothing's going to change, so I'm, I'm not going to go anywhere. So the fact that we are moved to go out is not just a sign of distraction, but it's a sign, perhaps, of hope as well. And I think this was the case with the crowds that went out to hear John the Baptist and also Jesus. Uh, they're manifesting a hope. They're manifesting a dissatisfaction with the status quo, but a feeling like we can actually... Find something better, and these men have something to say. There was a sense in Judea at the time at which the gospel takes place that the experiment with the Roman Empire was not working out. And just a little bit of history before that when the Jews were being persecuted by the Greek kingdom of Antiochus Epiphanes about a century and a half before Christ. A group of them got together, and they they heard about Rome. Rome was pretty far away and not super powerful yet at this point, uh, but on their way, well on their way. Uh, So they hear, well, there are these people called the Romans. They're very upright, good people. They have a great army. They can help us against the Greeks. And so a delegation of Jews went to Rome, uh, went out, hoping to secure an alliance that would bring the Romans to aid them against the Greeks. Uh, The problem is when we rely on worldly power like this it has its upsides and its downsides and once Rome got to uh, the Holy Land they decided to make it another province of the Empire and uh, colluded with local leaders and so on, raised the taxes, all the usual things that happen when an occupier comes in. So fast forward now to the Gospel the the people are aware that this has not been working out the way they had hoped, and there's a sense that things could be better if the Romans weren't around. And so uh, John's preaching in this context gives some hope to the people who hear that this Roman oppression would soon be coming to an end even though John himself didn't openly say that, and I don't think it was just political opportunism that that John avoided saying that. I don't think that was quite his message, but this was easy to hear. Because his message was not about political organization in the, the worldly sense. It's about repentance. It's about purity. It's about living a different kind of life, first starting with me and not rearranging things in the political order. John is not pointing toward any earthly kingdom because earthly kingdoms, uh, much like the fame of movie stars, passes away. Even the Roman Empire came to an end. But more importantly, Rome, for all of the, the good things about it, for all of its political ingenuity and wealth and so on, was powerless to deal with the fundamental problems of the human condition, the root struggles of many of its own citizens. So John the Baptist is preparing the people for a kingdom that had been promised by a series of prophets before, when I mean, we hear from Isaiah in the first reading today. And again, unlike earthly kingdoms, God king, God's kingdom is not bound by the strictures of geography or time. And that is to say that God's creative power is not locked in some kind of competitive struggle for control with Rome or Greece, with Russia or China or anybody. Uh, In God's kingdom, no one is limited to their five minutes of fame. We're not in competition with one another in this spiritual kingdom that is eternal. We don't have to fight each other to be the first one into Walmart on Black Friday. This is why the comparison uh, between even John the Baptist and the least in the kingdom of heaven is impossible. They're two realities that are on a different plane. John is bringing the old covenant to an end, and this new kingdom is about to be inaugurated in which all those earthly things are going to be irrelevant to some extent. The kingdom is a brand new creation. It is opening us up into God's infinite love and his mercy. But to see this kingdom, uh, again, it's not going to come... Uh, with obvious signs. Uh, it, it didn't in the first, in Christ's first coming. So to see this new reality, uh, this is what Advent is for, helping us to do. We have to recon- recognize in ourselves the need to go out of ourselves, not to be locked in to ourselves. And so in this way, a sense of dissatisfaction with my life uh, with a failure that I might have, with my weakness, with my inability to achieve the good that I had hoped I would achieve. This is actually a first step. Recognizing this is a first step in surrendering to God, going out and saying, I, I give myself to you, and to be able to rejoice that God is actually coming to save us, because I need saving. You know, uh, The persons who don't feel like they need saving are... are uh, probably not here with us today. You all went out from your comfy homes to brave the snow to get here, so thank you. Uh, John's preaching of repentance is meant to awaken this sense of dissatisfaction, but also the sense of hope for something better. Uh, Again, he does this not to lock us in on ourselves, uh, but to spur us on through God's law, uh, through an awareness of our inadequacies. an awareness of the promises that the prophets have given us. This is to stir up in us the right kind of desire, to desire eternal things, to desire God, uh, to minimize the desire for the things that are passing away and to channel these toward the kingdom that is coming. I mentioned that uh, our human solutions to our problems are inadequate, but I think even that formulation doesn't quite go far enough because it assumes that we can adequately say what our problems are. And in fact, part of what John the Baptist is doing through his preaching, through his reminder of the prophets and of God's law, is helping us to know exactly what our problem is, you know, to see what could be. To awaken us to a belief in a greater reality that God is willing to give us, wants to give us, that we wouldn't know about otherwise. But once we see what this reality is like, we recognize more profoundly the inadequacy of our own understanding of it. And again, this gives us a sense of desire to go forward toward God to receive this reality. So we need God's law to awaken and foment our consciences so that we become aware at a deeper level of the injustices that are in the world that we are complicit with, each of us, in various ways. So God awakens in us a sense of dissatisfaction and incompleteness that he alone can fill, so that when Christ comes, we are willing, uh, as he says in another parable, not to go back into the house and get anything, and not be distracted by that famous person coming down the street uh, or a pet project of any kind, but simply to leave everything and go forward to meet Christ. So it's important during Advent to make time to hear this message, to really stir up our consciences to to be aware of this reality coming. Take time to study God's law, see where in my life uh, I'm not yet aware of my need for God. December is a time for many distractions and many apparently pressing concerns. Let us make sure that what motivates us to go out are not mere reeds swaying in the winds of shifting fortune, but really the lasting virtues of faith and hope.